Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast, um, who is um, connecting via Zoom, is my friend Sam Bird. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> Good to be here. Sam has a famous older brother. Tell us who your famous older brother is, Sam. Yep. So my older brother is Charlie Bird, um, author of Without the Mask. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. And we love to talk about how famous he is. We joke about it a lot. <laughs> you do kind of have suddenly a famous brother. Um, we've had Charlie on an episode 300. Um, he's written a book, Without the Mask. And Charlie, as I think most of our listeners know, is gay. He's the former Cosmo and just an all-around great human. Um, but I want to just felt impressed because um, Charlie talked about Sam in his podcast um, two podcasts ago when you were serving your mission. And he's talked about you since when he came out to you, his brother. And I just thought you may not have been perfect in this space, Sam, like I haven't been perfect, but I think you've done a great job. And your relationship with Charlie is just solid. And I, this is a podcast for you siblings that have LGBTQ siblings or uh, did I say that right you straight people that have LGBTQ siblings or parents that have LGBTQ children just from the things that Sam can share that are insights about their family experience from his perspective as a as a sibling of an LGBTQ member I think I said that right sometimes I think things backwards in my brain listeners so I I think you knew the spirit of that um does that sound okay Sam for an introduction yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Before we talk about Charlie, Sam's pretty great man on his own. And tell our listeners about where you grew up and then um, then tell us where you served your mission. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Missouri. It's called Willard, Missouri, population of maybe 5,000 people. Uh, so a pretty small town, farm town. Um, I have two older sisters, obviously Charlie, my older brother, and then a little sister. Um, and then I served my mission in both Cochabamba, Bolivia, and Barranquilla, Colombia, in South America. Tell us what happened towards the end of your mission at, I think, 20 months <laughs> or, or less, maybe a little less than that. What happened? Yeah, so whenever I was in Bolivia, um, a civil war broke out between two parties, two political parties. And so we were all evacuated from Cochabamba and I got reassigned to Colombia. And it's actually funny because I went to three different MTCs during my mission. We got shipped to the Brazilian MTC between um, Bolivia and, and Colombia. And so I always joke about that. And then um, I ended up getting taken out once again, whenever, whenever the coronavirus hit, um, I had about 20 months in the mission. Uh, whenever I got sent home. How so. much time did you have, Sam, to to know you were, what was happening in Bolivia? Was it kind of a slow burn and you kind of realized that, hey, we might get sent out of here or did it just sort of over the night, overnight, this thing, you just got sent? Yeah, so that was actually super interesting. Um, it was just a normal day. Election day was super normal. Uh, we were all supposed to be inside our apartments because they thought that maybe it could get a little bit crazy in the streets. So we're just hanging out in our apartments, you know, um, made sense, not, nothing, no one really thought anything was going to happen. And then 
um, really the war kind of started breaking out and people were just throwing rocks at each other and lighting dynamite in the streets and, and throwing sticks and all kinds of just crazy stuff. And so the streets were cleared always unless, except for people that were actually wanting to fight. <laughs> and our mission president left because he had a meeting in, in Peru and we were all just told to remain in our apartments. This went on for like a week, maybe two weeks. We were just trying to figure out what was actually going to happen. So I, I always joke about how I quarantined before before quarantining was That's really funny. a thing. That's so true. <laughs> we were all in quarantine for like two weeks. And then the war subsided. Like everything seemed like it was getting better. And right as things started getting better, um, we got shipped out. So I was really confused as to why we spent the whole time. Yeah quarantining and then finally as soon as i thought at least i thought things got better they sent us out so it was actually really interesting how many from your mission made it to columbia with you or did you just get all scattered all over the world um so i think there were 60 of us around 60 of us i know that 90 around 90 got sent out of bolivia um but several of them were just finishing their mission so they just got sent home and then other missionaries got sent to the United States. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, Sam wouldn't mention this probably publicly, but I'm going to, I got it at him before we served because I was wondering how leadership works because you're probably kind of a senior missionary in Bolivia and then you kind of may start, have to start over and people don't know your gifts and your contributions and there'd be a natural desire to lead and help and um and so I think you were an assistant in Bolivia, and then you went to Colombia. Um, obviously, you weren't an assistant in Colombia, but any advice for just those that have a change of leadership assignment and um, you feel like maybe you're in one spot and then you're in a different spot, just how to manage that? Yeah, I think you need to bring the same energy that you have whenever you're a leader as to whenever you're not, uh, because I think that's what really matters is the energy you bring um, how you love the people. If we're talking about missionary work, right. Right. Um, and just to have that sense of humility to be like, okay, this is where the Lord needs me. Um, I'll do my best here. Like I did my best there. And it doesn't matter really who's watching or the title that you have. It's just to go out and do the best job you can work hard and, and the results will follow. So that's how it was for me. Pretty thoughtful answer. But I also recognize just the I mean, if I had been um, reassigned to a different mission at that point in my mission with a developing relationship with my mission president and an increased sort of stewardship over the fellow missionaries who I loved and and got to know me, that would be pretty hard, Elder Bird, (laughs) use your title back there. And I I would guess that was, which was harder for you. Um, You had two huge curveballs during your mission. Um, the civil war in Bolivia and then COVID that sent you home from Colombia, which was harder. I think that the being evacuated from Bolivia was harder um, because it was something so much more personal and Bolivia was my first mission. You know, my first love, it was like, I loved everything about it. So to be taken out against my will was just something that I had a hard time dealing with. Whereas with the COVID, um, that this was happening all over the world, you know? And I recognized that and I was like, okay, like I get it. It's safety precautions. I'm not the only missionary going through this. You know, there's thousands of them. 
they went through it. They got sent home. They got reassigned. Um, so I would say definitely getting taken out of Bolivia was, was tougher for me. Um, which country would you want to go back to as soon as you can go back? I think Colombia is much more of a tourist country. I was right on the beach, so I wouldn't mind going back there. That's honest. Um, yeah. Bolivia, though, if you want to see something that you just won't see anywhere else ever in the world, go to Bolivia. You'll find some pretty crazy stuff. <laughs> so I don't know. That's tough. Um, I'd probably go to Bolivia just for the people. Um, but if I want to go for a nice trip, definitely Colombia. Wish you could see Sam's face, listeners. You when you you can tell when he talks about both of these countries, you can just tell his love for the people. Um, and thank you for your service. It's a big deal to serve a mission. So thank you behalf of all of our listeners for the lives you blessed and your service and consecrating a big chunk of time to helping people come into Christ. And as I may have mentioned, Sam is a, a sophomore at Brigham Young University, looking forward to a career in business. Um, he spent a summer, like many um, in this world, in summer cells living in Pittsburgh. I love the way you guys go all over the world. We have family members that are looking at doing that or have done, doing, have done that and um, admire all of you that go do that. Let's talk about, let's just talk about your brother, Charlie. Um, for any of the, what's the age difference between you and Charlie? And talk about just your relationship with Charlie growing up. Yeah, so Charlie and I are about five and a half years apart. He's my older brother by about five and a half years. And even though you could say that, um, you know, even though you could say that he's older than me by quite a few years, um, it seems like we've always been just tighter than tight. Cool. Just best friends ever since I can remember. I remember whenever we were young, whenever he was 10 and I was five, it was like, those were like the best times that I can remember <laughs> for some reason, just because Charlie was always there for me. He was like the cool one, but also he cared for me and he would, you know, like put his arm around me and just make sure that I was always okay. And then I got older whenever he was 13 ish, um, we would start fighting more like brothers do. And I would always yell at him. I would always say, I miss the days whenever you were 10 and I was five. That's awesome. <laughs> so I remember that really well. Whenever he moved out of our bedroom, we shared a bedroom, but he moved to his own bedroom whenever he was uh, maybe 12 or 13. I cried and I cried and I cried. And I didn't stop crying until, if you know Charlie, you know how creative he is. He went to his bedroom and in his bedroom, there was a window that you could see from my bedroom window. And he went over to his window and waved to me through the window and just waved, waved, waved. And I could see him mouthing, I love you. I love you through the window. And I would wave back. And we did that every night for years. That's cool. <laughs> Until I got old enough. And then we ended up sharing a room again. That's awesome. <laughs> and now we share everything. So we've always been super close. And yeah, it's just been awesome. Remind our listeners where Charlie served his, on his mission. Yeah. So Charlie served in the California Redlands mission. That's right. Uh, and he spoke Spanish as well. Uh, so nowadays we love to speak Spanish together and, and joke and laugh. And So Charlie's yeah. serving and you're a teenager at home. What were there things about Charlie's mission that um, imprinted on you the kind of missionary you wanted to be 
and I think the kind of missionary you became. Yeah. So Charlie has always been probably my greatest role model. Um, and especially a spiritual role model for me. Um, so whenever he left on his mission, it just kind of paved the way for me to know what I want to do. And now with the perspective I have now about everything, I have so much more respect for him than he even went. And I recognize how hard it must've been. And, um, just a lot of things that he would do before he left just impacted me in a lot of ways. Like for example, every night before going to bed and every, every night he'd pull out his iPod and we'd read scriptures together. One chapter. I remember one time he told me, Sam, we're going to read scriptures every night. How many chapters do you want to read per night? And I didn't really know. I was like 10 chapters. Let's read 10 chapters a night. And he's like, 10 chapters. Maybe we can read one chapter. Does that sound good? And I was like, all right, that sounds good. And now these days, there's days where I struggle to read one chapter a day, you know? So just Charlie's consistency and wanting to be better, I think that's what really helped me to to want that for myself, you know? Um, Talk about just, Charlie shared this on the podcast, but I'd love to hear this from your perspective. Um, Charlie's Mm -hmm. gay and he would like to tell this part about him to you. Um, and I think as Charlie's talked about his relationship with you, he just loves you. You're his best friend. He doesn't want to do anything to change this relationship, but he wants you to know this part about him. Just walk our listeners through that experience from your perspective. Through whenever he came out to me. Yeah. Yeah. So he told me we were hiking, we were on a hiking trip together. And he was started breathing really heavy. And tell and I'll just give kind of a quick were. version. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so set we the stage on, for us, Sam. Gotcha, gotcha. So we were on Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, which first of all, it, that's a whole another story in of itself, just how we got there. And uh, we never actually thought we were going to make it there. And then we did. And then we started hiking. And we were carrying our own stuff. And we each had probably 60 or 70 pounds on our backs, which is food and water and clothes and tents and my dad even carried a propane tank. His his backpack was probably like 80 pounds. <laughs> but Charlie and I um, separated ourselves from the pack a little bit. And we were hiking in sync, just us two. And, um, and this Charlie, is before all of a sudden, your mission or after your mission? Yeah, this is before my mission. So this was whenever I was 18. I had just graduated high school. It was during the summer. I was just about to go into my freshman year at BYU. So we're hiking together. And all of a sudden, Charlie just goes off on this weird spiel about the plants and the trees and how everything in nature seems to work so perfectly together. And I didn't know any, I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, <laughs> what the heck is this man saying? Looking back, he was trying to segue into maybe telling me that he was gay. Um, but he kind of wanted to pull something out of me to see if to see how I would react. Because Charlie and I had always talked about girls. He had several girlfriends that I knew about and he would show me pictures of them and I would tell him if I thought they were cute or not and all these things. So I always just assumed he was straight my whole life um, because that's just how we were raised too. It, it almost seemed like being gay was, wasn't even an option. At, at least for me, that's how, that's how it is for me, right? Like I, w- I would never even think about that. And 
Um, so we're walking and he starts talking about the trees and he keeps going on about the trees. So I'm like, dude, is there something going on? Like, are you good? And whenever I said that, he kind of started breathing heavy. And at first I thought maybe it was the hike because <laughs> it was, it was a steep slope. So I made a joke. I said, man, for the world's most famous mascot, college mascot, you sure are out of shape. And I like hit him on the arm, just making fun of him. And then he started like breathing heavy and almost like hyperventilating. And that's whenever it became serious for me. I'm like, Charlie, are you okay? Like, are you good? And we laugh about this now, but at the time he said it like this, he just goes, he's breathing so heavy. So he said, it's not the mountain. And he's breathing heavy like that. It was really dramatic. And I'm like, okay, like, what is it? Like, what, what's going on, man? And he just turned to me and he said, Sam, I'm gay. And he paused. And I just looked at him and he looked at me. Our eyes were just locked. And I said, what? <laughs> that was my first reaction. I said, what? I thought he may have been joking. or I, I didn't even know what was going on. Could, I could barely process what was happening. And he said it again. And he defined it. He said, Sam, I am gay. And he said it very boldly and very like matter-of-factly. It's like, I am gay. I'm attracted to guys. Not girls. I'm attracted to guys. And we paused again and our pace slowed. And I remember just asking him, isn't being gay a choice? And he said, why would I choose this? And he said it almost not angrily, but really intensely, right? So why would I choose this? And I just kind of kept thinking my mind was on overdrive. And I didn't know what to say. I really didn't. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so since I didn't know what to do, I figured I'd ask him what he was going to do. So I said, well, what are you going to do? And when I said, what are you going to do? I meant like, what are you going to do for your future? Like with everything we've been taught in the church, out of the church, social norms, I'm like, what are you going to do about this? And this is whenever it kind of hit hard for me. He just said, and he said it quietly. He just said, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And whenever I heard that, my brother, who I love more than anybody, and he always knows what to do. In my mind, Charlie always has known what to do. If I have a problem, I talk to him. He knows what to do. So whenever he says that he doesn't know what to do, that got to me. And I just said, well, you know what, Charlie? I don't care what you do. I trust you. I love you. I know you're going to do the right thing. And this does not change anything. And I just gave him a huge hug. And I pointed over to log. There's a mossy log. I said, hey, let's go sit on this. Let's go sit on this real quick and talk. And we sat down. And it was still emotional. I mean, we were both crying by that time. He cried. Probably just tears of like relief and, and joy. But also the magnitude of the situation was high. And I just sat down on that log and just started apologizing for all of the things that I had said. Because before I knew that he was gay, it didn't really matter to me. Like, like gay lives were just something that I didn't even think about. So I would say what I call now is the F word, the F-A-G word. I would call that to Charlie. 
I would make gay slurs. I wasn't doing it out of like hate, I don't think. I was just doing it out of ignorance. And I had buddies at school that would talk about it and I'd laugh and we'd make fun of the quote gay kid or you'd say, oh, you're so gay, you know? So I just sat on this log and I just started apologizing. And Charlie forgave me right away. Without even hesitation, he forgave me. And from there, I just started asking him questions because I had questions, you know, like, well, when did you know? And are you sure it's not a choice? And, and I, I could be kind of more bold with him. Now that I knew we were chill, we were cool, we were still brothers. I'm like, all right, let's open this up. Let's dive into this. Let's figure this out. And it was honestly, and it, it's still a process for me figuring out everything. Um, but that day on Kilimanjaro opened up a whole new perspective for me. And it taught me how to love people for who they are, no matter what, no matter who they are or what circumstance they're in or, or anything. So. That's a really good segment, Sam. The whole podcast is worth it just to hear that from your perspective. Tell us, tell us more. I just, I don't want to leave this moment right now. It's sacred. It's really actually a sacred Brother to brother moment on Kilimanjaro. Yeah, so just we're just talk about just keep ta- talking the questions, the feelings. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. I mean, we're. I mean, I feel like I could do this all day just because it means so much to me. But we sat on the log. I pulled out a Snickers bar uh, for my backpack, which was a delicacy <laughs> at the time. I split it in half. We eat it, and we're just talking. And I remember that night. Or I, I don't want to fast forward so much just yet. Um, so we're just talking. And, and by that time, my dad and my little sister catch up to us. And they're kind of ticked off. <laughs> my dad's like, where are you guys at? You guys are supposed to be sticking together. We're in Africa. Like, you can't be going off on your own. And Charlie and I just kind of looked at each other and just kind of smirked. And we started making fun of our old man. and said, oh, man, you're just sad because you're slow. Blah, blah, blah. And I turned to Charlie and we're joking together and come to find out that meant a lot to Charlie because it really did prove to him that nothing was going to change. Nothing did change. I knew. And the rest of the day we hiked like I had known maybe my whole life outside of the questions that I had had for him. You know, my love for him only increased and I was filled with a desire to be able to really understand his situation and be there for him and be the person that he needed me to be for him. And I was happy that he was willing to trust me. And I told him repeatedly, I, whenever I was on my spiel of apologizing, I kept saying, I'm so sorry you couldn't have told me soon. You know, I'm so sorry that I couldn't have been, you couldn't trust me enough, you know, uh, a year ago or maybe two years ago or even before then um, to, to be able to tell me then. And I'm happy Charlie told me whenever he felt comfortable because that's how it should be. You shouldn't have to feel uncomfortable and, or pressured into coming out. Uh, at least I don't think. But I wish that I could have said something beforehand to, to make him feel like he could have trusted me sooner. And that night, uh, we get to our tent. And me and Charlie are, are sharing the same tent. And we talked all night almost. And I shared things with him that I had never shared. Um, because he opened up to me and 
it was beautiful, you know, we, and and we became closer. That's really cool. And we, that wouldn't have happened if he wouldn't have told me he was gay. We always would have had that barrier and he would have felt weird. And I would have still wondered why he hadn't gotten married yet. Like everybody else, it seemed like in the world, we're always talking about Charlie getting married and all of these things. I'm just glad that he told me whenever he did. Um, Because throughout the next year of my time at BYU, I attended those seminars where Charlie would stand up and he, I went to one where he broke down the family, a proclamation to the world in front of a group of LGBTQ students who probably didn't know what to think about that document, you know? And I sat there and I was the only straight guy in the whole room. (laughs) And I was just absolutely proud of who he is and how he's able to do things. And I want to be like that. So it's funny because Charlie thought that him telling me that, that he's gay, that that would make me not look up to him as a role model, but it did the exact opposite. Now I look up to him more than I ever did. Um, just the courage that it takes and, and the will. And it's hard. You know, that's a hard thing. I think one of the hardest things ever that I've ever seen is to be LGBTQ and to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. It's hard. And people said for so long that it couldn't coexist and, and Charlie proves and so many others, but for me in my life, Charlie proves to me that, that it is possible because he is doing it. It's a really good segment, Sam. Um, It's exceeding my expectations. I'm just glad we've got you on right now. Talk about, talk to your younger self. Charlie came out to you. How old, how old were you? 18? Did you say? I was 18. Yeah. So talk to your younger 17-year-old, 16-year-old self. What are the things you wish you understood a year or two before Charlie came out? This is sort of you talking to other straight siblings. Yeah. So to my younger self, I would say a gay straight alliance is a good thing. You're not a weirdo if you go to school an ally. That doesn't make you weird. I remember in my high school, a club emerged called Gay Straight Alliance. Everybody was talking about it. (laughs) I'm from a small town, very conservative. Everybody's talking about the Gay Straight Alliance. Is that okay? Is that politically correct? And I remember one day I was at, Charlie was actually home visiting from college and we brought it up and we started talking about it. And it was probably very, very interesting for Charlie to hear my perspective at the time. I didn't, I didn't think much about it. Um, but Charlie said, well, what do you think about the club, Sam? And I said, well, personally, I don't really care. Like it, it was, it was for suicide prevention at the time. I was like, if it's going to help kids not commit suicide, I think it's great. You know, um, I don't necessarily want to go to the club. Like, <laughs> It's not like I'm best friends with a bunch of gay people, so I don't really care that much. But like, I think it's fine if it's there. So there's a lot of people that wanted to ban the club, basically. And looking back, Charlie has told me since that that was a really big eye-opener for him. He felt like maybe I was getting close to being ready to be told. Now, I look back and I say, wow, I wish I could have just said, I think it's great. Like, I'll go. I'll sit front row. I'll be the leader of that club. I'll be the biggest ally. I think it's cool. Um, or I would say to my, my old self, watch what you say, you know, the little things that I said, like, like I was saying, I call it the F word. Now it to me, F A G holds the same weight as 
as the cuss word we know as the F word. Like they will, I would rather honestly hear the curse word than F-A-G. I just can't hear it. That's cool. And I used to use it. <laughs> and I have friends now that will say it to me. I say, hey, don't say that around me. You know not to say that. And they'll be like, well, bird. Some, some of my friends call me bird. They're like, bird, you used to say it all the time. I'm like, I know. And then I learned, you know, it's time for you to learn. I can teach you. I wish I just would have been more bold. Um, and I understand at the same time, I would be a little bit compassionate towards my old self because I understand that, you know, I didn't know any better and I was ignorant, but learn. <laughs> That's what I would say. Just be somebody that is all loving to all groups, you know? Um, yeah, it's not like, you have to be, it's not like being cool or being cooler is worth burning bridges, you know? And I think especially when I was in high school, that happened, you know? I wanted to be popular and cool and I was on the basketball team and I wanted to be the basketball star. And in the locker room, FAG was just something you said. Um, but it didn't have to be that way. Um, so that's what I would tell my my past self. And to siblings who have gay siblings older or younger and they just don't know it yet um like start now like don't wait till they come out to you and they're hyperventilating like make it to where they can trust you and they'll know without a doubt that that you'll still love them because when charlie bird told me that he was gay he was not 100 sure that i would still accept him as his brother and that makes me emotional you know, and maybe he had that with my older sisters. Maybe he had that confidence, but he didn't have the full confidence with me. Maybe he was hopeful. Maybe he had a full hope. One thing about Charlie is he's, he has a greater hope than I've ever seen. So I don't want to say that he didn't hope that I would still accept him, but I know he didn't actually fully think that I would accept him. So I wish I could, I wish I could go back and do things differently so that he would always have had that confidence in me um, and not and to never have to worry about it. Where did you pick up that it, this was a choice? Yeah, no, that's just something I've heard my whole life. You know, I've picked that up from everybody. Being gay is a choice. Um, it's a sin. Um, God would never create someone to fail. And being gay is a failure. Like this is, these are things that I've heard my whole life. So naturally, since God wouldn't create a failure, being gay has to be a choice because being gay is a failure. Um, that was always what was drilled into my head. Um, not only from my society, my community, my friends, but also my family and maybe even some of my church leaders, you know, it was just normal. And now I, that, that conversation just irks me <laughs> because I know it's not true, but that's where it stems from for sure. For sure. And I remember celebrities would come out as gay and friends of mine would tweet like, Oh, another one bites the dust, another failure, another one comes out. And it was just like, yeah, that's too bad. Like another one chose that path. <laughs> so that's, now it's a complete 180. <laughs> Talk about 
It's a great answer. Talk about your feeling that God created your brother this way, and that it's not a failure the way he's created him. Yeah, so I feel deeply that way. The first reason I feel that way is because Charlie told me, and I trust what Charlie says. I don't know what it's like to be gay. So why do I need to tell other gay people, oh, no, 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 this is what it's like, actually. You don't actually know. Um, According to statistics or the scriptures or this or that or the other, this is this way because of this. Like, I don't need to say that, you know? So it's like, I remember people back in the day saying, well, you're a Mormon, right? And I would say, yeah. And they'd say, well, that means you don't believe in Jesus. And I'd say, no, that's not what that means. And they say, well, that's what I heard. So that's what it means. I feel like it's the same concept. Straight people want to say, well, being gay is a choice. Whenever a gay person tells you, no, 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 I was actually born this way, they'd say, I know you think that, but no, you're not. So the first thing that I think of whenever I think is being gay a choice or is it, or was my brother created that way? I remember, I just recall him telling me, Sam, I was created this way. And I believed him. And I'm always going to believe him when it comes to something that I don't know about. Because why would I act like I know whenever I don't? <laughs> so I, I really simplify it there, but that's just a simple answer. Um, I've talked to him about it a lot. You know, like, when did you know? And what hit home for me the hardest was whenever he told me, look, Sam, I went on my mission pleading with God that he would turn me straight, that he would take away this hardship from me. I grew up thinking that maybe it was just a disability or maybe it was just a hardship that I had to overcome. And naturally, you know, being born in the church, he thought like all things are possible through Christ, you know, which is true. And so he promised God on his mission that he would be perfect and he would serve perfectly and he would do his best. And he did, he did his best. And I remember him telling me that he got home and he thought he was fixed. (laughs) He thought, he was straight because I think it's because he was so dedicated to the work that he couldn't even think about guys, girls, or anything. He was just holy. Um, but he got home. And then, you know, a few months after being home, he realized that he had, he still had those feelings. And it crushed him at the time. So now, as his little brother, when I hear him tell me, Sam, I went on a mission pleading with God that he would take this away from me. Why in the world would I think that he chose that? You know, if I said that the right way, <laughs> like Charlie used to want to get married to a girl in the temple and maybe move to Idaho or whatever, get a dog, get a nice house and start a family. Like that's what Charlie and I talked about. So I know that he didn't choose this for himself. It'd be much easier just to, if you're going to choose, it'd be much easier to choose to be straight. That's easy. You know, so I think it boils down to don't try to tell somebody what they are whenever you don't know, you know, so if that makes sense, it just does. I boil it down to something really simple. You're good at that and you make it good for our listeners. What thing tugged at your heart the most that Charlie's ever told you? Wow. I know this. Absolutely. I know. Um, One day, one night probably 1am, we were in the car, we were talking and talking. And I was asking him so many questions about being gay. Because I still wasn't all the way there. And like I said, I'm still not, but I'm way, I've progressed 
I feel like exponentially now since since then. And I said, well, Charlie, um, it was on this, it was actually on the same subject. I said, Charlie, a lot of people are born with a physical disability or with a mental disability. I said, maybe this is just something that you were born with. Like you said, you're born with it, that you have to overcome. You know, like maybe, and you can overcome this disability in your life and you can be so holy that, that you'll, maybe God can turn you straight. Because I, I thought, you know, I was like, maybe God, like all things are possible through God. And Charlie turned to me and it looks like fire was in his eyes. <laughs> and he just said, don't you ever call me disabled. Don't you ever call who I am handicapped or a disability. He said, I have heard this my whole life. Don't you say it. And I was speechless. I, I'll, I'll get teary-eyed just thinking about that night. And I, I didn't say anything. I, all I said was, okay, I'm sorry. I'll never say that again. Like, I agree with you. You're not disabled. You're not broken. Like, you have worth just, as he, just like I have worth, you know? And that tugged on my heartstrings whenever he said, don't you call me that. Because I was trying to be analytical and think about all the different ways it could have happened. And in doing so, I called my own brother like broken in a sense, you know, or lesser, lesser. And he's not. And it was a great learning experience for me, you know. Um, but it definitely tugged at me. <laughs> Definitely tugged at me. Um, another thing that I can think of is just him meeting with people that um, were maybe thinking about, you know, uh, even taking their own life just because it's so hard. And I asked him on the way home, I was like, Charlie, have you ever thought? I, I didn't think he'd say yes. You know, I was like, have you ever, was suicide like ever even a thought that you would think? And Cause it's something that I've never thought, you know, I, I would, I, I've never gotten even close to that. And he just said, yeah, like, of course. And he said it so obviously that I'm like, what? And that just tugs at you. That's just like, man, it, something has to be hard to be able to even think, to entertain the thought of, of taking your own life. It has to be just tough. And to know that he had been through that road hurt my feelings, you know? And it hurts me, and it hurts me to know that other people are thinking that right now, that they're going through this alone. Um, and that's why I tell Charlie all the time right now, like, bro, it's so awesome that you have this book out. Hopefully, in podcasts like this, Richard, like, hopefully this can reach, just so people don't feel alone. Because the thought, my thought of someone going through this alone and having those thoughts and being dragged down by all these negative pressures in society that hurts that tugs in my heartstrings you know um, because we sing i am a child of god in primary but somewhere there's a kid or a teenager who's singing that and he's thinking like well maybe i am a child of god but he doesn't love me how could he love me that's hard that's hard and that's wrong because he does he does love them and he loves us all so doing a great job on this podcast, Sam. There's a great spirit here. Thank you. 
talk about um, some LGBTQ siblings are worried they're going to become an embarrassment. Charlie may have worried he's going to be an embarrassment to you now. And I sometimes talk with, and maybe you do too, closeted LGBTQ people that are afraid to come out to somebody in their family they just love and that may even look up to them and has been their role model in their life, just like Charlie's been your role model. And they're really nervous that they're going to become an embarrassment. Talk about that. It's you kind of talking to the siblings. Yeah. So I think you find out who your friends are. And I think you find out who the people are that really care about you whenever something like this happens, you know? Like, I remember Charlie telling me about all how he was like, Sam, I can't believe it. Like all our close friends, when I came out to them, they were all super cool. And I was like, yeah, Charlie, that's because they're true friends, you know? And when it comes to like being an embarrassment, like if my brother is cause for embarrassment to someone that's my friend, maybe they're not truly my friend, you know? And sometimes you have to weed them out, as sad as that is to say. Thankfully, though, like my inner circle, my close friends have all been super cool about it. And I got a lot of friends who, they haven't read Charlie's book. They're not even members of the church. They still think being gay is a sin, but they respect me and they respect Charlie and they know us personally. So it's easier for them. And uh, like I've read statistics that say like one in six um, people are, are LGBTQ even in, in, in any given room. So I think that pretty soon, hopefully, hopefully, like I said, like I said, um, that won't even be a thing. The whole embarrassment thing for me, I don't even think about it anymore. Good. Just because it's so far gone. But maybe when I was younger, I could, uh, if Charlie had come out to me whenever I was maybe 15 or 16, I could have seen that being very, very prevalent in, in my life. Um, and I would just say to someone like that, um, just the love you have for your sibling should be stronger than any embarrassment that you may feel. And that love will take the embarrassment away. Mm-hmm. Talk about, do you think Charlie coming out before your mission helped you be a better missionary and gave you better tools to help people come unto Christ and feel his love? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, to be able to see someone like Christ sees them, I feel like is pretty hard. And it's easier for a missionary because you're set apart and you're called to the work. But several times I recall thinking, wow, if it wasn't for Charlie, I wouldn't know what to say to this person. And I, re- I recognized it when it happened, each time it happened. And it, it was kind of cool for me to be able to experience that. Um, I think that to be able to accept something hard, like when your brother comes out to you, like it was hard at the time, you know, it's still, it's still hard. Like it's always going to be hard, but to get through hard things, that's what prepares you spiritually to, um, to impact others, um, with a greater force or to, to just fill them with the spirit of, I love you. God loves you more importantly, first of all. And God loves you so much that, that he sent us here to, to deliver this message to you, you know? And I think this, the, just the sense of love that Charlie has given me 
or the sense of love that I've felt whenever we've delved through these situations and, and we've, we've dug deeper into, into what a, like a true love is. Um, that's helped me to be able to, to share that love with other people. And even like some other stuff, like I, I almost feel like being gay it's I know actually that being gay is much more than your sexual attraction. It's much more. And Charlie's helped me understand that. Like being gay is everything Charlie is. It's not just that he has quote same sex same sex attraction. And that's why Charlie labels himself as gay and not as someone having same sex attraction because he thinks that he knows that he's a lot more than that. And there are times whenever I remember this lady on my mission talking about how like trees and animals and they have spirits and they talk and all these kind of weird things that maybe a closed-minded missionary would try to stray from and be like, Sandra, that's what her name was. Sandra, like that's all false. Like that's all fake. Um, we need to talk about Jesus. Like, whereas I was able to be like, Oh, I know I've heard Charlie talk about some crap like this before. <laughs> like not saying that it's complete crap, you know, but like some stuff like this before. Let's turn it into, wow, Sandra, I am so glad that you're able to feel this way and be able to feel the spirit in nature and to realize that the things that God has created are alive and are spiritual. Um, that's just another testament to his greatness and to how much he loves you, you know, and to kind of turn it into the gospel instead of saying like, oh, no, 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 it can't be that way. It's this, it's this, it's this. Um, I feel like Charlie being gay totally helped me with Sandra in particular. Um, and she ended up getting baptized and it was beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. And she still has a lot of those beliefs, you know, of that some might find odd, but I'm at the point where I can see like, yeah, that's okay. You know, as long as she believes Jesus is her savior and she's willing to keep his commandments, like get in the water, baby, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> so I love a that. lot of things. Uh-huh. Talk to um, you're at BYU, your sophomore. Talk to mm-hmm. LGBTQ people at BYU if they were just listening. Charlie's coined you on a prior podcast, the straightest of straight, by the way. So here's the straightest of straight, his brother. I'm straight. I'm very straight. Um. <laughs> um, and most people at BYU are straight too, but there's obviously <laughs> three to 5% or whatever percent. Um, walking on campus with you that aren't and some are out and mm-hmm. some aren't. And if you just wanted to talk to them, what would you say? You're safe with me. You know, like you can be who you are. And I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself. And if you need anything or if you're struggling to know what to do or where to go to find hope, I'm not saying I'll be the first person on your list by any means, <laughs> um, but just know that you can you can trust me um, to to at least show you love and to at least say you know what like that's great that you're gay you know you have so much to offer to everybody around you to your family to society to your community. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're at BYU. Kudos to you. I tip my hat. This would be a hard university to attend um, for a member of the LGBTQ community. I'm proud of you for sticking through it and for pursuing your dreams. Cause I would assume that you've always wanted to go here like me, like BYU was always a place where I wanted to go. 
Um, it's definitely a lot easier for me to be here than it is for you. Don't worry about the little things. Don't sweat it. Um, you know, it'll all work out for the best. Um, but just know that God loves you. And that if you want to come over and hang out, like we'll hang out just like I hang out with my straight friends. Like if, for me now, nowadays, like it's not much different. Um, and Charlie's the biggest reason for that, obviously. One time we went and helped some people move. And it, it's a, it was a gay couple. They're moving from one apartment to another and they're married. And I remember being so weirded out at the time. This is my freshman year at college. I was like, Charlie, those guys are married. Like, like, uh, that's weird. <laughs> and he's like, well, they're gay. And then I, I realized that being gay was more than like, like uh, rainbows and, and dance. <laughs> that's when I really realized that being gay was like, oh, that's real, you know? And but the, some of the greatest people, like the, like, these two guys are, are some of the greatest people that I know. And they're always so kind. And I, and we went out to, uh, what's that sub sandwich place right on firehouse sub. Yeah. We went to firehouse sub after and they paid for my sandwich because I helped them move all their stuff. And I was the only straight one there at the whole table. I was feeling so weird for the first like five minutes. And then when I walked out, I was hugging everybody. I was like, you guys are awesome. This is sweet. <laughs> you know? It's normal. We don't have to think that our gay brothers and sisters are like weird because they're not. You know, we're the weird ones because we think they're weird. So it's all good. That's what I would tell them. It's all good. Like you're super chill with me. It's cool. Um, and hopefully we can be friends. That's great. Great segment. Talk. Are there things in sort of the parables or the example of Christ and his ministry, or his parables that give you kind of a doctrinal foundation to do what you're doing to be kind to everybody? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even just the primary song, I'm trying to be like Jesus. Uh, that song will make me cry to this day. <laughs> That's just an emotional one for me. Um, but just to love one another. And I mean, you, you break it down. Sometimes the gospel can seem so complex, um, but you can even break it all down to the two great commandments. You know, it all results in love. And Jesus being the master of love, he showed us all how to do it. And that's why I think it's interesting that um, in our, our society today, I feel like there's a lot of really good Christian people who are totally for loving one another. But sometimes it's like, sometimes I get the feeling that it's almost like, yeah, I love one another, but except if they're gay, you know, like if they're gay, first we'll fix them and then we'll love them. Uh, love one another, except if they're black, like you can love them for sure, but like make sure your daughter doesn't date them. You know, that's a great one. Stuff like that. I'm like, look, there's something very wrong here. <laughs> Love one another, period. Whether you're gay or straight or white or black or, or tall or short or male or female. That's another big one. You know, like love one another. But if your wife wants to have a serious career, you know, maybe you should tell her where her place is. <laughs> like stuff like that, that 
make like a lot of good Christian people I know think like that. What I say is it's time that we go back to what Christ taught. And it was just love one another, period. And if we could do that, we would see major change. Um, and people would feel comfortable and people wouldn't feel broken anymore. And, and it'd be cool. Uh, it'd be a sight to see I, and I want to see it. And I, I, in a sense, I've seen it in my own family um, in, in our community with, within my friend group. It's been cool and it fills us all with joy and happiness. And, and like Charlie said, uh, for the rest of that hike on Kilimanjaro, he was on cloud nine. Both because we were very high physically, like we were up in the mountains, we were up above the clouds, but he just felt so free because I had accepted him. And I feel like that's how the whole, like th that to me would be Zion, honestly. Like for lack of a better word, to me, like that's Zion. It's a great answer. Um, love one another, period. I love that primary yeah. song and the simplicity, but the power of that, Sam. Um, I've got a couple sons at BYU, a lot like you. They're, you know, straight. One's married, younger than you. One's older, um, coming out of a uh, advertising program. Has a girlfriend. They kind of have a path, obviously, to have a, a companion, share life together, children. You have that same path to you. Um, talk about Charlie. What, how will you respond, or if Charlie ever feels his path is to marry a man? Yeah, I've talked about this with Charlie many times. I said, Charlie, do you plan on getting married? He said, whoa, 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 Sam. Like, I can't even think about that just yet. You know, like I've got work to do. Um, because he really does feel like uh, he has been been called to a certain extent, you know, to to be a voice for people that don't have one. And uh, so that's where his mind's at now, which I totally respect. But I tell him, I'm like, man, if you ever do get married to a guy, like, first of all, he better be cool. <laughs> you know, it's just the same way as if you were to marry a girl, like he better blend in with the family. Hopefully, you know, he loves to do what you do, that you share similar interests and that he makes you happy. Cause I want Charlie's happiness. And if Charlie's happiness means getting married to a man in the future, then I want that for him, you know? And if it doesn't, then it doesn't, you know? And I think even our father in heaven wants everybody to be happy, you know? So I think that if it's part of Charlie's path, um, he'll be able to figure it out. He's very um, spiritually aware and he'll know, you know? Um, so if he does, then I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Will that disappoint you? And will your love for Charlie change? No, <laughs> not at all. Definitely not. I think. Why? Because he's not following church teachings anymore. You know, that's, that's really, a, it's a good point. Um, but it won't disappoint me because I trust Charlie so much. And I trust him to do what's best for him and to do what the Lord knows is best for him. So I, I don't even worry about it because I know that whatever Charlie does, God will have stamped his approval on it before Charlie even does it. Cause that's the kind of guy Charlie is, you know, and obviously humans, we make mistakes, but I trust him so much to not even worry about it. So, and I, I don't think he could do anything that would make me disappointed in him. So 
I love your answer, Sam. I pushed you a little bit on that because it's a question other siblings may have and others around like I have is what do we do? Because I, I don't want to make Charlie the hero one day and the villain the next day because yeah. you know this guy as well as anybody on the planet um, and you know his heart and his goodness. And if, if Charlie ever felt that was his path, I think we should all respond the same way you do. It's just trust that person. And, um, and we're not called to judge anybody, but we're called to just as you did in that primary hymn, that kind of maybe where the rubber meets the road, love one another, period. And so I love your answer there. And it's complex, and some family members don't quite know how to navigate that, but I think I'd navigate it the same way as I just trust, in this case, your brother Charlie, that he's close enough with his heavenly father and aware enough of the personal revelation he's receiving that I'm not going to judge Charlie. I'm just going to do, keep him as part of my friend circle, my family circle, and just support him. And I'm not going to make him the hero one day and the villain the next day because he's the same person. And I think that's the yeah. right thing to do. I remember one day I was, I tend to get more hot-headed than Charlie. <laughs> Charlie does not fight hate with hate. I'm down to do so if I need to. <laughs> like guys to make go a and good get team. Oh yeah. Uh, like if somebody calls Charlie a bad name, I'll be ready to to throw hands. I'll be ready to fight. One time I, I was just upset um at the situation. I was like, you know what, Charlie? Well, if you can't get married in the temple, then maybe I don't even want to be married in the temple. And he said, you stop it right now. <laughs> he, he stopped me in my tracks. He said, Sam, like you, why would you say that? He's like, I want you to get married to the temple. Because that's what I know that would be what's best for you. And my mind just exploded again at how just selfless he is. And how, like a selfish person would maybe say, oh, Sam, that's so cool of you to say. But Charlie said, no, no, I want you to do what's best for you. And what's best for you is to get married to the temple. So now for me, and there he goes again, being my role model and helping me out spiritually. For me, it's like, well, yeah, getting married to the temple for me is, is totally what I'm going to do. Like that, That's one of my goals in life. Even though it's something that Charlie can't do, that doesn't mean I shouldn't do it for myself, you know? And so to eliminate that aspect of hate or just like, you know what? If this isn't this way, then I'm just going to leave the church. You know, it'd be easy. It'd be so easy. But it's never even an idea that Charlie's entertained because he knows what he knows. And he has a lot of spiritual experiences um, within the church. And I think it's cool how he's able to, to do both. It's a lot of spiritual and emotional maturity on Charlie to recognize if he fills his path as to marry a man, there's no real path in the church for that, obviously, to go to the temple. and to fully participate mm -hmm. in the church. I hope he always feels welcome in the congregation and, and is valued and put to work um, the best way that Charlie and his husband, if that's the road he goes down. But I love the, I love the spiritual maturity of Charlie saying to you and you recognizing sort of the unfairness of that, um, wanting you to continue to follow the best path for you. And exactly. Aren't there principles there of just, um, indifferences coming together as the same human family and not using that. I mean, 
I, I just think that you're teaching, you're both are teaching us principles to keep us together, the same human family and not, I, I think Satan wants to divide us on ways he can divide us. And, and obviously for LGBTQ people to make this part of them feel so much shame that they don't feel that God would love this part about them and they wouldn't love them. That's a whole separate topic. But I just love what you just taught there, Sam, because I think they're foundational principles to keep us together. You, you and Charlie as the same human family. More thoughts on that before we move on? Um, I'm not sure. Just, yeah, honestly, you, you hit it, you hit it right on the head with that. Um, just being able to respect our differences and to love each other for our differences. And Charlie would probably kill me if I got on here and told everybody that he's going to get married to a guy because <laughs> he, I'll tell you from, I'm closest to anybody. I'm closer to him than I, than anybody is. Um, I don't even think he's really even thought about that yet. Good point. You know, so just because he's so focused on the work that he needs to accomplish. Um, so honestly, we haven't even talked about that much. Um, but if he did, I would totally love him the same, you know. And that's a good point, listeners. We don't want to create a narrative in this podcast that that's Charlie's road and he's decided and Sam's got some inside scoop that that's what Charlie's going to do. So let's be clear <laughs> yeah. that I love you bringing us back to that point that. Um, this is a hypothetical, but it's a discussion worth having on how we would respond as family and as friends if somebody that's gay um, and in the church and fully participating in celibate eventually chooses a different path. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure I'd choose a different path, just um, further clarifies their path versus like saying it's a different path or now they're off the path. It's just a clarification of their path forward. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I recognize I did a podcast. I did a fireside with Ben Shalotti. You know, Ben, of course. Oh yeah. Um, we did a virtual fireside a couple Sunday nights ago, the two of us to a, a ward in Massachusetts and, and Ben did a great job. Um, but then after we signed off, I just, it was interesting because, um, my, as I finished that it was pretty late at night and I thought of Ben and I thought, and I realized what happened to me. When I was done, my wife asked me how it went. And my daughter, who's living in Boston, her bishop happened to be there, even though it wasn't his word virtually, and texted my daughter. We then screenshotted the text and sent it to me. And, and I just recognized that I, I, there were people in my life that I got to share that experience with. And then I thought of Ben. And I thought late on a Sunday night, he went home alone. And he didn't get a text from anybody else in his life. Um, sharing what he had done and the people he had lifted. And I just, I, you understand this, Sam, so I don't need to teach you anything here, but it just created a little more empathy on my part for the road our LGBTQ people walk and how difficult any road is. And Ben Shalati obviously is able, like your brother, to fully participate in the church and serve and hold temple recommends and, um, but it's just kind of this point, I think, to build empathy for how difficult every road is. And it's, and it's paradoxes or trade-offs that obviously Sam, and I go back to my two sons down there because you're all kind of the same in some ways. Both, all three of you male BYU students just don't face. So I think that's one of the things you're helping us to do is just build empathy. Other things you'd like to share with our listeners, Sam, that have come to your mind? 
Um, I would say just don't give up the hope, you know, don't give up the hope of a better world and a better society. And, and I think that's something that Charlie has instilled in me, you know, whenever, even whenever I get angry at the situation, you know, Charlie's always the one that's more on the hopeful side. Like, no, like we can do this. And, and, even podcasts like this, you know, he's like, we can do a podcast here or a post there or try to reach um, as many people as we can and just to get off, just to offer hope and to bridge gaps of understanding and to help people to, to realize their worth, you know, as sons and daughters of God. And that's what it's about, man. Just that's what it's about. Talk, share our listeners, um, Charlie and Ben's podcast. Let's make sure all our listeners are listening to that podcast, actually, before you oh, listen yeah. to this podcast. I don't want this podcast to um, mask listenership to a podcast from two um, gay Latter-day Saints, because that's what we're trying to do is amplify their voices. But let our listeners know about their podcast. Oh, yeah. Charlie and Ben have a podcast called um, Questions from the Closet. You can find it on Instagram under just questions from the closet or Facebook, or if you have an iPhone, just the podcast app. Um, it's awesome. And they bring in a lot of different voices, uh, share a lot of perspectives and, and help people to understand in greater detail what it's actually like um, from inside sources. So that way we're not learning things from people that don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> like I did for most of my early life <laughs> is, is that. And so, yeah, Charlie and Ben are both just unbelievable people um, and they do a great job and it's definitely worth the listen. Talk about, I'm fast forwarding in your life, Sam, you're 30, I'm going to fast forward all the way to 35. You're married, you've got a couple kids, oh, wow. you've yeah. got a degree from BYU in financial stability and you're wanting, you and your wife are wanting to create a culture in your family where you're safe as parents so your kids open up to you about anything and everything going in their life. And you may never have an LGBTQ kid, but you just want to create a culture that they're going to talk to you about everything in their life. Just what would you do as a parent? Oh boy, that's tough. <laughs> I think I'd, it'd have to be a culmination of a lot of things. Um, I've seen it from my older sisters, what they do. And they talk to Charlie a lot about it. They each have three small kids. And they say, well, what should I do? And like, how, how should I make it to where my son can, can tell me about anything? And how, Sam, like, what should I do when it comes to pornography? Because I have a little kid and he might get exposed at school and, you know, all these things. I think that that alone, having that thought, the thought of the question that you just asked me, if you're even thinking that, you're going to figure it out. I think, um, because that's the first step. <laughs> um, so sometimes I feel like maybe we just don't think of that. I wouldn't have thought it if Charlie wasn't my brother. I would never have thought, what should I do if my kid's gay? That thought wouldn't have crossed my mind. I, I guarantee you that, th that thought never crossed my, my dad's mind until Charlie came out to him. So I feel blessed that I have this perspective. Um, but probably the first thing that I would do is just, you know, just be vocal, communicate, um, 
tell my kids how much I love them. I'll love them no matter what, first of all. Um, I'll tell them what's going on in my life. I'll be like, hey, what should I do? You know, just stuff like that. Just communicate, be vocal, and, and express love. But I think that if you even think about that, you'll figure it out. <laughs> um, because that's that's where it all starts. Before Great we question. And before we went live, um, you talked about your older sisters, each that have three kids and what great older sisters you have. And I, and yeah, they, they're, as you just talked about, they're already having um, kind of conversations to create an environment and asking you and Charlie. And I think that's one of the ways the next generation is improving is create a family culture where you can talk. And I do go back to earlier in the podcast and we never highlighted on it, but as Charlie came out to you, you knew you could be vulnerable with Charlie. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's part of great relationships that can occur between siblings, needs to occur between spouses, should occur in appropriate ways between parents and children. And I think vulnerability is the, often the way that the sharing of what's really going on in our lives is often what heals us and brings us together the body of the Christ. And I hope we can learn to do more of that. For men, it's hard to do. Um, I think there's a sign of a sticker of manhood that we don't, we're not vulnerable and we don't need to do that everywhere, but I think it helps people to be vulnerable. And I think that's one of the blessings in your life. I think your future wife, Sam, is going to love this vulnerable side of you that you're still <laughs> a, a dude's dude. And, um, but it doesn't make you less of a dude's dude to have vulnerability and to be able to be honest and show emotion. And I think that, um, our beautiful Christ-like attributes that I think's in chapter six to preach my gospel, that theoretically you can learn from preach my gospel, reading it, but in a practical standpoint, what we're talking, what Sam and Charlie are talking about are tools to bring that into each of our lives that help heal us. Um, And a shout out to your whole family. I've never met your mom or your dad or your younger sister who's on a mission in California, I believe in Nevada. Mm-hmm. But you just have a great family, and um, maybe we'll do more podcasts with your family. Um, but the Bird family just rocks, and you're a great family. And, and like all family, you have differences and have harder chapters and easier chapters, but there's a lot of wonderful parts of this story. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners, Sam? I just appreciate you having me on here, um, being able to share my voice and share my perspective on things. Um, I think I definitely have a unique perspective because I, I am straight um, and I've been able to learn a lot just from my brother and, and from a lot of other people. Like even, even now I'm learning. Um, I learn from Charlie and Ben Shalati every week. I'm actually taking a class next semester um, offered by Ben Shalati. It's about social diversity and like uh, That's the, learning, cool. the learning can never stop, you know, and we can't be complacent with, our learning because um, that's just not what we were called here to do. <laughs> so, but I appreciate you having me on Richard and, and helping me to, um, to share my story with Charlie and, and hopefully somebody somewhere can, can listen to this and, and know that they're not alone and that they're loved. Thank you, Sam Bird and Charlie. And some of you may be receiving this podcast from your LGBTQ sibling and they're sending it to you so that perhaps as they've just come out, or maybe this is the way they'll come out is send this podcast to you. Um, I'm grateful for Sam sharing this. I'm grateful we did this podcast together. And 
um, Sam's example as a template for what we should do as family members and his insights into charity. There's been a great spirit here. I've written a book. I would invite you to read Charlie's book first, Without the Mask, at Desert Book or Amazon. I've written a book called Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. It's another book you could read. It has a lot of stories there. It addresses a lot of the myths, like this is because of X, Y, all these different reasons that I certainly believed at one point too, Sam, but I had to meet with LGBTQ people. And that's where my hard drive, that's where my reprogramming came. But um, you have a great life ahead of you. You've done honor to Charlie and, and the entire Bird family. And, and thank you, our listeners, for joining us. This is Sam Bird and Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. <laughs>